You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and and welcome to episode number 51 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in my kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Good morning. Good morning. And how is Matt on this rather summery um, it is a right, really rather glorious day. Yes, actually. the really day is lovely. I, I, I feel I should start with an apology. I am so sorry. I was so ill last week. It was all I could do to get here. So it, was, it wasn't my best performance, but it didn't really matter because, of course, we had the legend that is Rodney in the studio. And yes. wow, what a guest he was. Wow, I, that was, that was mm-hmm. just, uh, cool. just yeah. mega. We've had so much great feedback yeah. on that from yeah. listeners yeah, yeah, for yeah. that show. And, um, yeah. and and I, he seemed to enjoy his visit, so he he, yes, he has vowed yes. to return, which is excellent <laughs> news. Because I, I I do I do get the feeling we've barely scratched the surface of uh, of the madness done? that yeah. is his life. Yeah. So, but, yeah. God, some of the things he's done there that was just uh, that is such a such an yeah. eye opener. No, I have I have grey hairs as a result of listening to his stories last so week. So many. We, we had uh, we had some good feedback from mm. uh, quite a few listeners. there, Smolik as well. He he sent uh, just a message mm. and stuff. And uh, most of the messages that we got uh, feedback from the listeners were that um, they were transfixed mm. by the ears yeah, to the show. For... Yeah, such a fascinating man, really was. So you join us then uh, on Sunday the 1st of March. Is it really? Oh, no, and I didn't pinch punch and all that. Pinch oh, first. You, you punch, missed out pinch there. Of the mu- yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. So it's the first. I'll do it randomly at some yes. point during the show. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll film that. Um, yes, it's it's half past nine. It, it is. It's just turned half past nine yes. on a Sunday morning. Yes, we've opened the buffet. Good yes. news. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post a picture on Facebook later of the um, rather large buffet yeah. of food we have here you, in the studio. You, you realise I'm going to expect this every time I turn up on a, on a Saturday. Saturday or Sunday morning now, don't yeah, you? It is. Yes, it's yeah. uh, all the uh, the treats I get from doing a disco last ah. night, where not the full quantity of people turned up. Excellent. So yes. uh, I was rather mm-hmm. um, um, kindly handed lots of food. What before a I shame! Left, before yes, I left and, and I am also entirely grateful. Yes, yes. <laughs> Matt is uh, Matt is going to have a quite a extensive pack up lunch yes, for this week. Very excited. Well, it's very good. I'm out all next week, so it, it works really well. I've got delights of <laughs> haul and all sorts next week. Um, so. Uh, uh, and uh, they are very rural locations, shall we say. So the opportunity to go and buy some munch is uh, unlikely. So uh, I've got to be organised and do a pack up, which means getting up really early every morning. You'll be, you'll be okay. You'll be no, okay. I won't. You've got mother's sausage rolls now. Well, that's true. That yes. is true. Yes, they they are patent pended and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, quite a few news stories to get through this yes. week. Yeah, busy. It's been uh, quite an interesting week in mm. the news this week, aviation-wise. Yeah. So uh, we're going to kick off the show, as yep. we always do, with our rundown of the news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt, get it on. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story, then, BBC News, Leeds and West Yorkshire. Anger over rise in Leeds Bradford Airport drop-off fees. Now, something we've talked about in previous episodes, these uh, fees for dropping people off at airports. Uh, Drop-off charges at Leeds Bradford Airport have risen by 50%, prompting anger from motorists. Drivers now have to pay £3 instead of £2 to access the area outside the main terminal building for up to 30 minutes. 
Taxi driver Kevin Allen said it was a kick in the teeth for customers who have brought money to the airport. Leeds Bradford Airport said there was a free one-hour parking zone a couple of minutes away from the airport. Mr Allen, owner of a private hire firm, um, ASAP, in Weatherby, said it's scandalous. The airport is busting at the seams with travellers, so they uh, get a lot of revenue. Uh, he added that what we, do we get for this £3 if you park in the free zone? There's no covered walkway for bad weather. What about families with luggage or the elderly or disabled? Uh, Nikki Midgley tweeted, just plain greedy. The side roads will be busier than ever from now on. Another airport user, Harry, he tweeted that uh, that's absolutely shameful. What planet do their management live on? <laughs> uh, Leeds Bradford International Airport are so out of touch with reality. The rise is the latest in a long-running row about kiss and drop charges at the airport, which were brought in in 2011. There was an uproar last year when the airport's owners increased the charge for large vehicles from £2 to £6. According to figures from the Civil Aviation Authority, 15 out of 31 airports now impose some sort of charge. Several airports, including Blackpool, Cardiff and Stansted, offer free drop-off services, but not at the terminal building. There mm. we go, Matt. So, yeah. Well, just while while you've been reading that, I've been looking up um, where it's where others sort of stand. Heathrow doesn't really offer at all uh, a drop off. You can use their short stay car park. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you get the free only... for so many yeah, minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Stansted, which is the nearest rival, I would say uh, to that, is uh, they they do have you can have free for an hour. But it's a heck of a walk from there, and it's basically you have to mm. you have to make your own way to the the midway car park. But if you want to do a similar sort of drop off uh, right outside the terminal building and also pick up, that's actually two pounds. So I mean, they're not. Have, have you ever had to drop off pa uh, passengers at, with the coach at an airport? Yeah, uh, mm, yeah. Or, it, it, or you're not allowed in. Or no, no, you are very much allowed in. Dropping off is free. Mm. Um, picking up is not so free. Uh, Heathrow charge you a terrifying amount of money. I think Ooh. they charge us just under £30 cool. right, to drop okay. off. Um, uh, quite, quite, You have to go to something called West Ramp, um, which is a designated coach park that's right on the outskirts, and you have to go there first and book in with the operatives, and then you're given a slot. So they know when you're... You, you give them the last... The, you know the flight number of the one that you're picking everyone up from mm. uh, and then they will release you when that flight comes in uh, and all that so i mean the, the, you, it's kind of good because you do have somewhere to wait i mean that's one mm. of the, the one of the nervous things about you know anybody who's done any hgv or coach driving or no obviously you've got very strict time time th time things and that uh, stansted i think uh, again is not as bad um, but um, you know, it's still sort of fifteen odd pounds, I think, to pick up a large group of people. So it's uh, it, they they are clearly making significant sums of money out mm. of uh, everyone coming to pick them up. I know when we flew when we flew in <clears throat> back home from Lanzarote the other week, mm. um, the the taxi driver and other people in just general cars yeah. could pull right up to the doors right in front of the um, departure. Where was it? Um, at Lanzarote. At Lanzarote, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no, you know, there was no area. They just drove straight they up just to drove the um, front up. doors, yeah. And, and yeah, it was right close to the airport. I, I, I kind, I kind of understand why the the airports have done it, um, 
But again, and I, I hate to keep using my poor mum as an example here, um, but where in her case mobility is quite mm. quite severely limited, um, she can manage to walk from from her departure gate all the way up to uh, not her departure gate, my apologies, where she's arrived. Um, she can walk from from you know from security all the way up to um, you know where I'm sitting there waiting to pick her up. Um, but she'd never be able to make it up as far as the the midway car park because that's about a ten minute walk. Mm. For, at, at, uh, certainly at Stansted. I mean, you've got so, families with suitcases yeah, and, and yeah, children, exactly. and you know, it's, it's it's a bit too much really to ask. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think there's a better way of. Um, I I, I just think they should just just offer a free like some airports and just offer a free mm. you know kind of I don't know a fifteen minute pass. Yeah. Free, you know, yeah, but this, this two pound, this two pounds at Stansted is only for ten minutes. So well, you've got you, you the two pounds, and it's ten minutes for you've got from the minute you go in to come out. So it is literally you need to know that they're waiting there, and mm. then you shoot in, pick them up, yeah, and then come straight yeah. out again. Which I do do because it's you know convenient for you know sort of for, for as in my example, obviously with mum, but. Uh, I, I just think it's a bit much, really. I yeah. mean, it's not like they don't make money out of you in the airport, is no, it? No, no. Um, you know, they're just taking advantage. I mean, they're just taking advantage of a captive audience, aren't they? Mm. Uh, um, and people will pay it because people want to be able to pick their loved ones up from as close to the terminal building as they can. You know, tricky so, one. Anyway, next story. Next story. This is the Mail Online, and the headline is American Airlines plane forced to make emergency landing at Heathrow after the windscreen cracks mid-flight. Ouch. Uh, Indeed. American Airlines plane was forced into an emergency landing at Heathrow Airport this morning after the windscreen cracked mid-flight. Flight AA65 was around 45 minutes into its journey from Zurich, Switzerland to New York, US, when pilots declared an emergency and landed at Heathrow around 11.30am local time. The passengers departed the Boeing 767-300 and ground staff are expected to try and replace the windscreen. There is a chance the passengers will have have to be placed onto other flights to continue their journey onto the US. A spokesperson for American Airlines told Mail Online Travel, We can confirm that the American Airlines AA65 landed safely at Heathrow and after emergency was declared due to the cracked windscreen. We don't know exactly how many passengers were on board, uh, but it was a fairly light load uh, at what is a quiet time of year. It is hoped that after refueling and a replacement windscreen, the plane will take to the skies around 1.30pm. Users on Twitter were keeping uh, up to date with the plane's movements as it soared over the UK. M- uh, many believe the American Airlines jet would be landing at Gatwick, but instead it included... Um, it con- it continued, sorry, on to Heathrow, where officials at the airport confirmed it landed safely. One user who was believed to be following the descent on a flight tracker described the plane as flying like a madman. <laughs> well, there we are. I mean, th- th- this is sort of, um, we covered a similar story not that long ago, didn't we? It's. Uh, yeah, I mean, that- how, how common is it? It's fairly calm. I mean, yeah. nine times out of ten, a lot of the time, it's, it's due to to, uh, to weather, as in hail. Right. Because hail can be very destructive mm. to uh, to aircraft, especially sort of the larger yeah. uh, hailstones. There was one not so long back where the yeah. um, hail, there was uh, there was a picture online, I forget which website it was posted on that. It may have been um, the Aviation Herald. Mm. 
Um, but it was the the nose cone was completely smashed to smithereens, really? and oh. every single pane of glass on the uh, cockpit was uh, cracked. Oh, I suppose because it's 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 at the front, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of angled yeah. up rather than the sort of side windows. That was that was be- really Gosh. badly damaged. Yeah. But no, it doesn't say here why this why the um, screen cracked on here. But it mm. could be could be could any. Be it, happen, it happens. But yeah. they are they're so well you know built you know the design yeah. the, the, yeah. you know there's probably, not just one sheet of glass. No, it's, no, um, it's probably be- better to yes. err on the side of caution. Yes, though, yes, yes. Because yeah. I can imagine the cabin pressure alterations alone would be quite horrific at that. Kind if, of... if it did break, yeah, that yeah. would be that would be a bit uh, indeed a bit nasty. But uh, moving on, yeah. the next uh, news story from the Business Traveller site, and uh, BA, our British Airways, mm-hmm. our airline here in the UK, yep. are launching a first and business class sale. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, what, do, do, what, what do you mean by sale? It's a sale. Sale yeah. now on. Yeah. So British Airways has launched uh, a sale um, this week with flights departing London in its first and club cabins discounted by up to 65%. Wow. Over 90 routes out of Heathrow, Gatwick and London City are included in the promotion. Hmm. Although uh, aimed at leisure travellers, plenty of business routes are also available. From Heathrow, first passengers flying to Los Angeles can save 65%, while there is a 57% reduction on first-class tickets to Newark and a 60% discount on first-class flights to Miami. Club well passengers departing Heathrow can save between 20 and 24% to Boston and Los Angeles, Miami, Newark, Philadelphia and Johannesburg and Abu Dhabi, Hong Kong and Kuala Lumpur. To qualify for the discounted rates, passengers must book by midnight on March the 10th for travel between March the 12th and February the 28th, 2016. For more information and details um, of these discounted routes uh, from Gatwick and uh, London City, um, you can uh, look on the Business Traveller site. There's a link on there to uh, take you to the site for more information. Stephen Humphreys, uh, BA's Head of UK and Ireland Sales, says that flying with British Airways is all about flying with style. And now more travellers can enjoy the benefits of first and club flights at great value prices. Customers benefit from dedicated airport check-in, extra space on board, a more generous luggage allowance and premium dining and also access to the elegant British Airways lounges. Those uh, travelling in first and club world can also relax in fully lie-flat beds. Last week, BA on Business announced it's introducing a tier system and moving to a revenue-based model to provide members with greater flexibility and choice. So that's quite uh, tempting to find out yeah. how much their how much a ticket would be and then take off uh, 50, 60%. Well, I, I just... Just having a look at it, the first obvious catch is you must have booked your flight by the 10th of March 2015. Yes. Because that's when it comes to an end. Okay. So you haven't got long to sort of get on get on with it. And it is still a little bit terrifying that um, first class flights, uh, even with the sale in mind, are from £2,859. So it's, Is that including the discount, is it? Or is uh, according, according to this, this, this site here. Oh, yeah. with the discount. Yeah, with the discount. So, so it's nearly £3,000. Yeah. Where's, where's that to? Um, it is uh, unknown. One moment. I should just Miami, Miami or... Uh, yeah, I think, I, think one of those. I think it's America. Where yeah. are we? 
Um, where are we? Uh, two eight nine nine return um, from London to New York. To so New York, yeah. It's, yeah it's not so tough. it's just a shade under three thousand pounds to fly in. Is that first class? The, oh yes, 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 yes. Yes, that's not business class. Is it? Wow. If, that you, if, is... you, if you, to be fair, if you went business class, which I have flown before, which, it, well, as far as I was concerned, it was first class. I mm, mean, it was. Yeah. I've never had such a wonderful experience. And that was with Malaysia, anyways, mm, mm. and that's fifteen hundred quid for the same flight. Oh blimey, that's still a lot of money. That's, it that's, is a lot of money, but, but it isn't. That is. <laughs> but it isn't. That isn't that. I mean, it's only a few hundred pounds more than I say. <laughs> he says, like, like I can afford God to do that. Me. But you know, it's just, but you think, well, if if it was something special, you think I might pay another couple yeah. hundred pound yeah. ahead. You know, if it was yeah. a big anniversary or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in business class, it it's it's you know, I, I, I that's that's my 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 abiding memory to to going uh, to flying back uh, one of my legs because I've gone to New Zealand. And one of my legs home, um, and I'd, I'd got a little bit of money for a change, which is very unlike me, I know. And I thought, oh, do you know what? Forget it, because I'd had such a horrific journey out there. I thought, no, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to treat myself to a little bit. So this was Malaysia Airways, and it was the leg from um, Auckland to um, Kuala Lumpur. Um, and I treated myself to an upgrade because they only wanted 150 quid extra or something mm. silly to to go business class and I thought oh oh yes definitely let's do that oh, yes. and uh, I must admit it was a very surreal experience to be sat there reading an English newspaper um, supping a glass of champagne whilst they loaded all the cattle in the rear you know it's in, 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 in economy class it really was a rather delight experience. it was a bit of a crash back to earth obviously when when it was when I then did the Kuala Lumpur to London leg and sort of back in economy but yeah. uh, it was nice for that that sort of 13 hours just to sort of sleep and, and all that it was great anyway I, I digress I digress yes <laughs> So uh, next story. Next story. Um, oh, this this will be me. Uh, it's uh, Mail Online again, and the headline is "Better Luck Next Time." Ryanair is caught fooling passengers with three pound fifty online quiz that is impossible to win. Ryanair oh. <laughs> has been caught fooling passengers with an online competition that is impossible to win. All three potential answers in the multiple choice promotion, which offers three free flights as prizes, were incorrect. Darren Coyle, 32, discovered the blunder after paying £3.50 to play the quiz while booking flights online. He was planning a holiday to Benidorm with his friend Chris Matthews, 31, and was swayed by the chance to enter a weekly draw to win back the value of his £330 ticket. £330? Since when has a Ryanair flight been £333? <laughs> anyway, uh, but after selecting a wrong answer to the quiz question, he later discovered that his chances of picking a correct one had been zero. Ryanair asked, together with the recently purchased new Boeing aircraft, how many planes will Ryanair's fleet contain in 2024? The possible answer offered possible answers offered were 380, 420 or 450. Mr Coyle guessed 420, which was deemed incorrect. But when he later typed the question into Google, he found a page on the airline's website revealing that the actual answer was 520. Okay. Right. Oops. Uh, feeling aggrieved, which I can fully understand, especially as he just shelled out £3.50 to enter this impossible quiz, Mr Coyle complained to Ryanair's head office. Bosses replied with a shamed, with a shamefaced letter admitting their mistake and refunding his entrance money. Mr Coyle, who works as a plant manager, said that they are con air. If I had not complained, they would have just kept it. The married father of one from Lonehead near Edinburgh added, there they are chances. Uh, how many 
other people have taken chance and ended up with being £3.50 down. So I think uh, if you have entered this competition or in all seriousness whilst booking a flight with Ryanair, you need to contact them immediately if that was the question you were answered or you were asked to answer. I think um, I think they need. I think um, I think uh, Ryanair need to be a little bit more proactive with this and contact all those that participated rather than the other way around. I think it's terrible. I mean, for our US listeners, yeah. um, that converts to around about five dollars forty cents. Yeah. Um, to enter. So it's this not. It's not cheap, is it? I mean, it's no. you know, it's a few quid. Oh dear. <laughs> tut tut Ryanair is all I have to say to that. <laughs> we, we do love a Ryanair. I must. I must oh, I'm sorry. They they, oh, no. they they do sell these. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble here. They do sell these charity. Um, oh, the scratch cards. Uh, the scratch cards. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've yeah. never bought any. And no. it's because of stories like that that I've yeah. never actually bought them. I love children's charities. Uh, I mean, you know me well enough yeah. to know yeah. that I do a lot of yeah. sort of fundraising for sort of cancer research and things like that. And the only reason that I don't buy those scratch cards is because I don't trust who gave it to me <laughs> do, do you know I, I've been I mean you know you, yeah, well, yeah. I've been on a lot of Ryanair flights yeah. we use them every year yeah yeah and people I've seen people buy not many yeah look, I've seen people buy these scratch cards before we land yeah and I've I've, I've never heard anyone go oh oh I've won a five I've won. yeah <laughs> I've never heard anyone and they no. all sitting there scratching them off yeah, yeah. indeed uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I must admit, I am. I'm, oh, I don't know, as I say. Which I think... reminds me, I've got a lottery ticket to check later. Oh, excellent. Anyway, oh, moving on. Flight Global, this one. Can uh... we just stop the show? Could we do that now? I mean, we could go and do this in Barbados if oh, you I just know. won. Oh, <laughs> so, Flight Global, uh, yes. this one. Airbus to take A320 rate to 50%, uh, 50, but to cut the A330 output. Uh, Airbus is to hike the monthly production rate for its A320 family for, uh, to 50 aircraft from the first quarter of 2017. It will also cut the rate of the A330 in the first quarter of next year from uh, nine to just six aircraft. Airbus has been examining the possible rate increase on the A320 as the backlog for the A320neo has surged. It is already committed to raising the rate to 46 aircraft in 2016. Uh, but the airframer has disclosed at the beginning of the year that this was uh, nearing a decision on a possible further rise. The A320neo, a re-engined version of the current A320, is due to enter service in the fourth quarter of this year. Airbus's other re-engined aircraft, the A330neo, is due to enter service in 2017. The airframer has been trying to close a gap in A330 production slots during the transition to the A330neo. But while it had already opted to slow monthly production from 10 to 9 aircraft in the fourth quarter of this year, Airbus had indicated that it might have to impose a further cut. As an aircraft manufacturer, uh, it is our role for the employees and partners and customers and investors to anticipate market demands whilst delivering on orders and marketing marketing revenues, says Executive Vice President for Programs, Didier Everard. So this just shows, Matt, that um, you know the, the, the A320 is such a popular uh, mm. aircraft for Airbus. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even, even over the newer plane. Well, at, the, at the 330, stage. yeah. yeah. I mean, 
because the, the A330 is used by so many short haul aircrafts all around right. the world, yeah. airlines, sorry, all around yeah. the world. Um, yeah. You know, um, EasyJet being one of them. Yes. Um, and Wizz Air. And they're not. They're nice. They're nice planes. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. The, uh, the 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 new interiors and that uh, and the new seating that uh, some of the airlines have got now the slimline seats, but they're more comfortable mm. and give you a bit more leg room. But uh, no, yeah. but. Uh, it just, so they're it quite just... a bit more. I'm just looking here at the. So what have we got? So the the three thirty, um, and this is in euros. I haven't had a chance to to convert it. Um, one hundred and sixty three point nine million euros for an A three thirty, but um, they're well. They're almost they're almost half. Um, it's seventy point four million euros for. Was it one hundred and sixty nine? Yeah, for yeah, the A three thirty. Yeah. 163.9, sorry. Oh, 163. For unit cost. Obviously, this is just a sort of a rough guess. And it's like, I mean, I can see, I'm I'm just surprised. I don't know. I don't know. What's the, what's this? The Neo is, is where it's had the, the engine reworked, yeah, isn't new, it? New engine yeah. option. Yeah. 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 Well, it's just, it's, it's so much more. Um, I, 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 it's about 118 million pounds. Yeah, for, for, uh, the, but are they smaller? Is that why they're so much cheaper? The A320 is, yeah. is obviously smaller, yeah, and yeah. The, the A330, which is in itself a popular aircraft as yeah. well with many airlines. Air France yeah. uh, have got those. Um, Maybe people aren't willing BA. to pay the extra. Perhaps, perhaps that's what the you know for the unit cost. You think well, might stick with a slightly cheaper plane and. It's an extra. Well, exactly. There's an extreme difference, as I say. You go even if you don't convert the euros. It's say seventy point four million euros. This is a twenty fourteen price um, for the A three twenty Neo um, versus the um, the A three the A three thirty. So, which is an awful lot more. So I wonder why they're. Uh, it's purely and simply why it doesn't make sense. No, I'll, I'd buy the A320. That'd be my personal jet. Yeah. I think it'd yeah. be nice. Which they have. There's a, there's a quite a few of those around the world that have been yeah. converted into um, into business jets. Yeah, well, it's definitely cheaper. A320. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's. I mean, it's not as big as the 330, is it? So I suppose it's not no. a fair direct comparison. But you've uh, thrown you've flown on a 320. You have. Have I? Yes, with with EasyJet. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, of course, yeah. yes. When I went to well, I can't, uh, Sharm El Sheikh. Yes. That's, that's where I went. Yes. Anyway, next story. This is with FlightGlobal.com. Our friends at Flight Global Reliable Sources. And the headline is Airbus. Airbus? Airbus? What's Airbus? Airbus, Airbus assures, uh, assures on A380 break even this year. Airbus Group has assured... Uh, that its A380 will achieve production break-even this year as it unveiled a a strong full-year commercial aircraft performance. The manufacturer said that 2014 had been a remarkable year during a financial results briefing in Munich. Commercial aircraft earnings increased by 68% to 2.6 billion dollars, uh, billion euros, sorry, which is 2.9 billion dollars, as revenue rose by 7% to 42 billion euros. Chief Executive Tom Enders says that most importantly, we confirm the A380 break-even for 2015. Whilst this does not mean the programme has recouped its development investment, it signals that individual aircraft will no longer be built and delivered at a loss. The company delivered 30 A380s last year and had a backlog of 164 of the type at the end of January this year. Airbus has long been forecasting that it would break even at production level on the A380 this year. So that's good news. Definitely. That's another popular aircraft from Airbus, so the 380. Mm -hmm. 
just looking at um, stats. The stats as of the end of last month. Yeah, um, there has been a hundred and fifty-three A380s eighties built. Gosh, um, having a unit price of four hundred and twenty-eight million dollars hmm. for those. Wow. Um, which translates into ooh two hundred and seventy seven million pounds. Right. Okay. Lovely. So not cheap to buy, really. No, indeed. No, indeed. <laughs> but uh, no, awesome aircraft, I will say, yeah. and like I said, a popular one. Um, yeah. Especially with Emirates. Right. Got, uh, quite a lot of those. They've in got their quite fleet. a fleet. Yeah. So moving on, next story, on to one of my uh, favourite aircraft, apart from the TriStar, as ah. uh, listeners will know. You mean, um, you, you mean you have more yeah, than one favourite? I, I do. I've always loved this aircraft. Yeah. The um, ALC sees the 757 uh, being replaced rather than re-engined. Oh, yeah. uh, ALC, or the Air Lease's chief executives, believe Boeing is leaning towards a brand new 757 replacement with additional capabilities rather than re-engineering the version of the type. We're very, very uh, uh, ultimately involved with Boeing, uh, and based on everything we've seen here, I think the re-engineering idea is not on the table at this time, said Stephen Udvarhazi during the fourth quarter earnings call. I think Boeing is looking at the aeroplane that's not only a 757 replacement, but one that could also do things beyond that capability in terms of range size. Because of the aircraft, it will be around for the next 35 or 40 years. He adds, I think the focus is on an aeroplane that can replace the 757 as well as do other things even above that size. In January, ALC became a launch customer for the long-range version of the Airbus A321neo with a 97-tonne maximum takeoff weight, uh, with first deliveries planned for 2019. However, Udvar Hazi does not see the new long-range Airbus um, as a surrogate for the 757. I would not characterise the A321LR as a true 100% 757 replacement, but it does accommodate a significant portion of the 757 flying done by US and foreign carriers, he says. In Europe, we have a number of carriers that operate these aircraft from Northern Europe, the UK, Scandinavia, Northern Germany, down into places like the Canary Islands to Mediterranean resorts, Egypt, and places where the A321, with additional range, gives these airlines a lot more payload range and flexibility. Many are now flown with Boeing 757s that are getting fairly old. He also points to flights to South America from North America, particularly Dallas, Houston, Miami, and Orlando. And the current A320s and A321s on some of those sectors are a little bit marginal in terms of being able to carry full payloads, says Udvar Hazi. Now, this is this is it quite interesting. I, I think um, you know a lot of the Boeing and Airbus have, have kind of redesigned um, their popular aircraft, mm. but Boeing is yet to kind of uh, reinvent the 757 yeah. so it'd be interesting to see what they do here um, but a popular hugely popular aircraft i mean thompson yeah. uh here in the uk i mean they still use um boeing 757 200s really? right on their routes from uh stans uh, and uh, gatwick to to places like you know lands yeah. and canary islands mm. and stuff uh, they're an old aircraft i mean yeah. some of those are really you know are, are sort of 20 years plus old but i mean they're such a great workhorse yeah um and I was I was actually looking I was actually looking up ALC actually just out of curiosity, 
Um, and um, what is interesting is that um, they they actually only deal in four aircraft. They only air lease. They only lease out uh, four different aircraft: what, Boeing, Airbus, Embraer, and ATR. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if they if they don't th- if they don't think this plane is going to have a re-engine, uh, it's going to be re-engined, then they probably know what they're talking about. Is is what I'm getting at there? They 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 are one of the biggest air lease companies. Um, they've got a massive client list. Massive client list. Anyway, so that is, but this uh, the seven five seven is is known as a pocket rocket as well. It's, oh, is it? So the, yeah, it's, it's hugely overpowered. Right, the engines on on the aircraft are, are really, you know, really are quite over, really, you know, really. quite very powerful engines. Um, but uh, there's been over a thousand uh, of those of seven five sevens built yeah. uh, since it came. It first flew in 1982. Mm. Uh, the seven five. Um, and was introduced into service on January the 1st, 1983. Gosh. And that was with Eastern Airlines yeah. over in the States there. But uh, primary users for the 75 are Delta, United, American, and FedEx Express. Right. So, you know, a lot yeah. of US carriers um, using yeah. those. Well, and and they're clocking up big air miles as well, aren't they? Those, mm. sort, of, those sort of carriers. Yeah. Next so, story. Next this story. is uh, Flight Global. Uh, and the headline is the Bombardier flies flies the CS three hundred. Bombardier has flown the larger variant of the C series for the very first time. In a Twitter posting, the Canadian manufacturer confirmed that the CS three hundred's takeoff from Maribel Airport near Montreal just after eleven a.m. local time, and shared pictures of the aircraft flying taken from a CJ CRJ nine hundred chase plane. The first flight was originally scheduled for the 26th of February, but uh, deteriorating weather conditions uh, the previous day forced cancellation of the final ground tests and the event was postponed 24 hours. The second CS300 is in production at Bombardier's final assembly facility in Mirabel? Is it Mirabel? Marabel? Mirabel? Mirabel. Apologies. Probably get that wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And is set to come off the production line later this year. There are four CS100s in flight test, and the program has logged about 850 flight test hours. The CS100's entry into service is scheduled for the second half of 2015, followed by the CS300's approximately six months afterwards. So the Bombardier uh, series, the C series, the C three hundred, then this uh, particular aircraft um, has uh, a unit cost of seventy one million dollars, which equates to around about forty five million pounds, English pounds sterling. Yeah, has uh, a crew obviously of two pilots, as most uh, most of these aircraft do this size. And uh, the the three hundred series um, has a maximum air capacity, capacity yeah. four hundred and sixty people in 160. one hundred and sixty yeah. in one class. So it's a nice size um, plane then. It's uh, it's quite it's 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 a you know it's a well proportioned aircraft. Mm. It's very good, uh, very good. It's got a great great range, mm. uh, just under three thousand nautical mile range. Yeah, uh, cruises at Mach point eight two, which is. Moving along swiftly at 541 yeah. miles an hour, and uh, is powered by two Pratt and Whitney PW1500G engines. Yeah, uh, has a service ceiling height, obviously maximum cruise height of 41,000 feet. Yeah, and uh, the the actually 300 series has a power ratio, the thrust per engine. Yeah, of uh, 23,300 pounds of thrust on those engines. So uh, just just looking at those who've got uh, who've got orders in with them 
for um, for this particular plane, and and Lufthansa is is the is the biggest one. Okay. Here, um, and they first um, put their order in back in two thousand and nine. So they've been very very patient. Twenty fifteen, they're expecting their first deliveries. So it's. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the, the net orders. Yeah. Um, so far for this year, uh, for the 300 are two uh, two hundred forty three of these aircraft. Gosh. So far for this yeah. year, so it's it's popular. I mean, you know, this is a contender again mm. for the short haul yeah. aircraft uh, that yeah. are, which is dominated by Airbus and uh, and Boeing. Yeah, it's exciting to have another another sort of airline sort of really getting in. And no, no major as least Corporation International is is another big one. So they're obviously putting several in. Um, in in stock, I suppose to to lease out. Um, I'm just trying again. There's a couple of big um, uh, leasing companies in there: Gulf Air, Odyssey Airlines, Korean Air, uh, Air Baltic. They're all people. Iraqi Airways. So I say they've got they've got quite a full order book. It has to be said. <laughs> oh, good. It's nice to see a contender in the indeed. Run. The next story then. Yep. Uh, Fox News Insider. Ooh. This one, and uh, this uh, the head headline is uh, TSA. Uh, warns of catastrophic new threat to aviation. So the Transportation Safety Administration, or the TSA, as Mm -hmm. we like to call them, uh, recently issued a bulletin warning warning its agents of the danger of thermite-based incendiary devices. Thermite is a mixture of rust and aluminium that can elude bomb detectors. When ignited, it produces a toxic gas that can act as a nerve poison in addition to creating thick black smoke. Lovely. The warning stated that thermite could result in a catastrophic damage and the death of every person on board an aircraft. Commercial pilot and publisher of Jetwine.com, one of our friends across at the Airplane Geeks, Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Mark, uh, appeared on Fox and Friends weekend to share insights on the thermite and other threats to air travel. Uh, Mark said that uh, if, uh, or Rob Mark said, if any, uh, if one were available to or be smuggled onto an airplane, it would be pretty disastrous. Mark said because of the heat that is produced by one of these things, it's so intense it would probably melt right through the airplane alone. Mark uh, said also that uh, when he tried to talk to some of his contacts at the Department of Homeland Security about the threat posed by uh, thermite, they told him the issue was classified. Mark also weighed in on the troubling report that 1,400 TSA security badges have gone missing at some of America's biggest airports. He revealed that this isn't a big threat, as some of them might fear, because the badges can be deactivated, much like a stolen ATM card. Hmm. Plus, he said, another layer of security is a PIN ID that employees must punch in as they swipe their card. So this this thermite thing, I mean, it's Hmm. quite scary. I mean, if the the detectors can't... um, can't well can't detect them well uh, I, I suppose you have to i mean this this is obviously a very serious very serious threat um you can't help but wonder if there isn't this or some other thing also in the system mm. it's just that it's been picked up i mean if people are really 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 determined to do very bad things i, I mean i i mean i think there's I probably some there's probably someone designing some machine that to to detect there, yeah. there must be something that being designed to detect the it's yeah. it's it's a tricky one. It, it, it's it's a, such a tricky. I mean, how do you? It's it's a difficult one to legislate mm. against, isn't it? It's it's um, we just need 
people to stop doing bad things. I think it's exactly. the only way we're going to stop it, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's, this world, they'll, they'll, the, world the, the trouble in. is, you say they'll find this, they'll they'll find a way of dealing with with this particular t- tracking thing, and then bad people will find out another way of doing yeah. it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's just it, all it does is slow down the inevitable. I think it's mm. just uh, you know, if people sad, are that, really. it is very sad, yeah. and, and these people clearly need more things going on in their lives, but. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. They should listen to our show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll be asleep. It won't ever yes. be a problem to them. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway. next story. Yes. AIN Online. Uh, now, what's AIN on, Online? Explain. Air, 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 air Transport Online. I think that goes. Oh, is it? Oh, right. My yeah. apologies. Yes. So, anyway, the headline is Wizz Air Goes Public uh, to Boost Low Cost Growth Plan. Wizz Air which claims to be the largest low-cost carrier in Central and Eastern Europe, launched its initial public offering, the IPO, as an offer price of £11.50, giving company a fully diluted equity uh, value of €1.6 billion Euros on its February the 25th admission to the London Stock Exchange. The IPO raised £257 million, that's $397 million, which is more than £150, uh, for 150 million, sorry, 232 dollars, uh, million dollars uh, target set by the Hungary-based airline earlier this month. The move was Wizz Air's second attempt at IPO after it was initially abandoned um, a share flotation in June 2014, when it said that the airline's stock for vol- volatility had deterred. Uh, investors by the end of the first day's limited trading Wizz Air's stock price closed at £12.50 that's $19.31 the operator plans to use the fresh capital raised to strengthen its cash position and so gain access to lower cost finance its ambitious business plan calls for a 15% growth rate each year with the company expecting to increase its fleet of Airbus A320 aircraft from 54 to 85 by the end of 2014. This year, it will start taking delivery of 26 larger A321 jets that it already has on order. At the end of the first half of its current financial year, September the 30th, 2014, Wizz Air claimed that a 37.7% share of the low-cost market in Central and Eastern Europe carrying 8.8 million passengers compared to 13.9 million passengers for the whole of the previous financial year. Over the same period, it achieved a 23.5% increase in revenues to 727.3 million euros, that's $823.9 million, whilst boosting net profits by 44.5% to 158.1 million euros, that's a 179.1 million dollars the carrier has declared its intention to directly challenge more established budget airlines such as Ryanair its network spans 37 countries with 18 bases in 10 countries and flights to 106 destinations on more than 350 routes so so now we see them fly over here quite regularly yeah. actually don't we right yeah. um with, with air on a clear day you can yeah. see them because of the, the purple yeah. very very bright mm. um, bold purple uh, logo mm. um, Wizz Air were only founded in 2003 they started operations in 2004 so a fairly Gosh. young airline so it's about 12 um, years yeah. but uh, a fleet of 54 aircraft mm. um, 
Well, they're ambitious, aren't they? I yes. mean, they, they, it sounds, sounds like they're really they're really going for it. And I mean, it is. I mean, a- anybody who's sort of dealt with finance will tell you that sort of trying to get yourself on the London London Stock Exchange and hopefully succeeding. I mean, that that is. Um, that is a but quite, like said, quite a major. They, they job. are popular, very popular. Mm. You always see it if yeah. you go on flight radar on your on your phone, yeah. uh, especially in the evenings, mm. late late in the evenings, you'll see these these sort of flying between uh, the UK and yeah. uh, and Hungary. Wow. Um, so yeah, popular little uh, low cost airline there. Indeed, that, uh, might be a competitor at some point for our favourite Ryanair. Well, you never know. You never know. Yeah. They don't do any routes out of here yet, do they? No, they fly into the UK. Yeah, yeah but I, I, they haven't got a hub here as right. such at the moment. Yeah. No, okay. but um, well, time will tell. Well, indeed. So, World Airline News, next one, a news site here. Yeah. Um, it's Air Tahiti Nui uh, set to become a new Boeing customer. Uh, they're going to finalise an order for two seven eight seven dash nine Dreamliners. Uh, Air Tahiti Nui, uh, Papeiti, is switching to Boeing for its long-range needs. The airline has announced it's committed to finalising an order for two new Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners. The new type will replace its ageing fleet of Airbus A340-300s, um, and uh, Boeing have issued this statement. And it says that Boeing is pleased that Air Tahiti Nui has announced a commitment to purchase two 787-9s, uh, the order valued at uh, around $514 million at current list prices will be posted on Boeing's order and deliveries website when finalized. And uh, Air Tahiti Nui is the flag carrier for French Polynesia and has its headquarters in uh, Papiti and operates from FAA's International Airport on the island of Tahiti. Air Tahiti Nui um they're they're quite uh, well, quite a popular aircraft or airline, I should say. Mm. Sorry, um, over there they uh, have got a really lovely paint job on their aircraft yeah. as well. Um, they've been uh, going since uh, 1998. Yeah, uh, it's just a few years ago now. Um, they've only got a small fleet. They've only got five aircraft mm. at the moment, but yeah. uh, they're going to increase that with these two new Dreamliners. So. And what's interesting from from where I'm where I'm reading this here, it does state on both articles because I because I out of curiosity looked up Air Tahiti, thinking that it was actually uh, linked, yeah. and it does stress on both of them not to be confused with Air Tahiti or Air Tahiti Nui. So they're not linked in any way, shape, uh, or form. Yeah. Gone to great lengths in both articles that I've read here to stress that they are not. They're both French based. They're both French based, but one's um, French Polynesian. Yeah, but one's French Pol- Polynesian. Yeah. So it's uh, and and Air Tahiti uh, are only boasting. They're quite a small airline as well. They've only got ten in their fleet. Mm. So it's uh, if you look on uh, for those who are listening, if you if you look on the World Airline News site mm. where this story is, there's a really really great picture. It is lovely of, over, the, over um, the island. There. Yeah, of one of their Airbus A340 300s flying yeah. uh, over. Uh, one of these uh, sort of tropical islands, mm. and because um, the Air Tahiti Nui logo or the paint uh, scheme, the, the uh, livery on the aircraft is a it's kind of a sort of sea blue, sky blue, mm. uh, sort of dark blue, and sort of light blue. It's, it sort of bl- blends in, doesn't it? It's uh, it, it is one of those pictures, isn't it? If you printed it out in your printer, you'd have no blue left. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you would have no blue left yeah. in your cartridge. No. It, is, it is a stunning picture. And what a lovely island. I want to go to that island. Where is that island? I don't know. It's Bora Bora or something like that. Oh, or, yeah, well, it looks really lovely. Nice. Yeah, it certainly does. So moving on to our last story then for the segment. Yeah. Uh, this is also World Airline News. 
And the headline is JAL, ooh, he says, uh, to expand Wi-Fi service on its Boeing 767-300ERs and its 787-8 Dreamliners. Um, so Japan Airlines uh, has been introducing its in-flight Wi-Fi service since July 2012 with its Boeing 777-300ERs. Uh, the airline will start to include Boeing 767-300ERs and Boeing 787-8 Dreamliners to introducing its JAL Sky Wi-Fi service on more Europe, North America and long-haul Asia routes from the 3rd of March 2015. Under the theme of Embrace New Challenges, JL is striving to introduce more innovative products and services to all of its customers. From March 2015, JAL Sky Wi-Fi in-flight internet service, a paid service, will be expanded on both international and domestic routes. JAL will support onboard passengers to have seamless connectivity in the air just as they can on the ground. Starting in April 2015, JL will provide customers with the latest Hollywood and Japanese movies and series of TV dramas uh, on uh, international routes. Well-received Sky Manga will be available on the airline's Boeing 787 in both Japanese and English in order to to be introducing the culture of Japanese manga. On JL domestic routes, Wi-Fi video service will be will be increased to 10 programs and these free programs are available for watching through your own wireless LAN capable devices. Um, so it quite that's interesting. So you're you're going to be able to leave your Wi-Fi on mm. on the plane because they do tell you you must put your phone and and tablets and laptops and all that in flight a Wi-Fi mode. in flight mode, flight don't mode, they? Yeah, it's just another airline going to be offering sort of yeah. excellent Wi-Fi services. Yeah, um, yeah. Japan. I need I need, to, I need to look into this. I need mm. to know how they're going to get the 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 data connection out of the air because I need to do more research. Research. I Japan do. Airlines. Yes. 163 in their fleet. Right, so they're not tiny. Uh, no, they're not tiny at all. <laughs> and uh, they've uh, they're in a lot. They're in the One World Alliance as well, which is the um, group of airlines that are joined together to sort of um, have a an alliance, a, sh- a code share agreement. Sort ah, of yes, kind of thing yes. With. Um, but uh, Japan Airlines also um, have their hubs at Haneda Airport in Tokyo yeah. and Narita Airport as well. Mm-hmm. I'd love to fly into Narita. You hear so many things about Narita oh, Airport. Really? It's huge. Um, what, a large airport? Yeah, right. And they've also got secondary hubs in Kansai International Airport in Osaka and Itami Airport in Osaka as well. Wow. So there we go then. That's our last story for the news mm. segment for the uh, commercial uh, aviation news. Thank goodness for that. I need tea and cake. You need tea and cake. I with do. Yes. We'll post a picture of the uh, bountiful <laughs> cakes we have here. Nom, uh, nom, nom, we should uh, send some to the listeners, but I don't think they'd no. uh, travel to. No, no absolutely uh, not. I don't think we should share any with the listeners whatsoever. No, okay. <laughs> so coming up in uh, later on, we've got uh, our military news, and yeah. we've also got a segment from Pilot Pip we as have, well, yes. Yeah, yes, which yes. Uh, Pip sent in for us. Uh, so we've got that to, to for you to listen to as well. We've also got a little bit of air, um, air show news because we are uh, rapidly approaching the uh, kickoff mm. to 2015 air show season. Fantastic. So we've got a bit of that news as well. Yeah. And uh, we are going to come back to you after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. 
How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you. Aviation sounds. What? Sorry. <laughs> Busy reading. Did, did Sorry. You, did you hear that flyover? <laughs> yes. Flying. So we're back again, and uh, we've uh, Matt's made Matt's made a tea this time. Indeed. A nice cup of tea here. Yeah. Another sausage roll, yes. as you do. And uh, no, we're back for the military segment. So uh, we've got uh, a few stories to uh, kick off. Then. Mm-hmm. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. Yes. Let's go. Yes. So kicking off this week's first news story then on Flight Global site, uh, and this is regarding an air show that's uh, on its last day today, the mm. 1st of March. Yes, uh, that was why I was distracted earlier. I was yes. reading all about it. Uh, so it's regarding Avalon Air Show in Australia. And uh, for those of you who listened to uh, Stephen Grant, uh, the Plane Crazy Down Under podcast, uh, you'll know that uh, Stephen Grant are both at Avalon 2015 in Australia. A uh, massive event. Uh, it's mm. been going since the 27th of February, and uh, it finishes today. Um, they'll, uh, they've got loads of content. I was speaking mm. to Steve um, online, and uh, they've got uh, tons of interviews and stuff really? with uh, pilots. Yes. It's a massive, massive air show. Uh, yeah. They've been there all week. It looks um, it. I, I'm looking at the, the, the image gallery, and, and I mean, the, the lineup of the aircraft they've had there is just ridiculous. <laughs> so the first story then from Avalon, mm-hmm. uh, Australian MH60R makes uh, a debut show appearance. So the Royal Australian Navy-operated Chikorsky uh, Lockheed Martin MH60R has made its debut appearance at uh, the Avalon Air Show near Melbourne. Although uh, US Navy examples visited a show during a Lockheed-led campaign to sell the type to Canberra, this is the first time the Romeo is appearing in Royal Australian Navy livery. In 2011, Canberra ordered 24 MH60Rs, of which it has so far taken delivery of four examples. 
Australian crews have been trained with the MH60R in Jacksonville, Florida, and will start bringing the uh, type aboard Australian warships later this year, pending the declaration of initial operation capability. The new generation rotorcraft will replace the Navy's legacy fleet of S-70B Seahawks, and Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database records 16 of these being in current active use. Now, the MH60R, uh, it's kind of it, it, it looks very similar uh, to the to the Black Hawk. Mm. Uh, but Matt, you've got a bit more information on the uh, yeah. Well, just helicopter. just looking it up, it's the the MH60R was originally known as Lamps Mark III Block II upgrade when de- uh, when development began in 1993. The two SH-60Bs were converted by Sik- is it Sikorsky? Sikorsky, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the first of which made its maiden flight on the 22nd of December 1999, uh, designated um, uh, the YSH-60R. They were delivered to NAS Poutance uh, River in 2001 for flight testing. The production variant was redesigned uh, uh, to the MH60R to match its full mission capability. So it was designed to combine the features of the SH-60B and the SH-60F with its sensors to include the ASE package. Um, So it's basically an amalgamation of two two very popular, uh, two roles basically uh, to, to make one sort of capable of doing both. Um, so yeah, it's, it's obviously been in the pipeline for for a while, although it's finally coming to. It looks really nice. It's a, yeah, it's a very very good looking uh, helicopter. Absolutely. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, looks a looks a mean helicopter. It looks yes. like it's ready for business. <laughs> it's gonna blow stuff up. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> so, have you seen the, Have you seen all the packs at the bottom here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite sure if they're missiles though, man. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> that's, that's got one task in mind. That, that really is. <laughs> okay, this is uh, sorry. Next story. That's this is flight global again, and we're sticking with the uh, Avalon theme, and it's the the RAAF A three thirty MRT makes long strong combat debut. Uh, as a Royal Australian Air Force Airbus A330 multi-role tanker support, MRTT continues to support operations against the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. The service is placing a major emphasis on getting the type's long-delayed boom refueling capability online. In a presentation at the Airbus Chalet at the Avalon Air Show, Wing Commander Warren MacDonald said that the RAAF uh, KC-30 um, as the type is uh, designated in Australian service, have operated 1,300 hours in support of coalition forces, offloading around 3.5 million tonnes of fuel every month since September 2014. This aircraft can fly 1,000 nautical miles, uh, stay there for four hours and offload 60 metric tonnes of fuel, says MacDonald. Uh, this is an incredible capability for the RAAF. Uh, he said that the combat reliability of the converted airliner, which uh, entered service in 2013 after years of delays, has been extremely good with just one mission in several hundred scratched. The, a- the RAAF is making much greater use of the asset now. Prior to 2014, the RAAF's KC-30A fleet would likely to only scratch around uh 1,300 hours uh, a year. In 2015, however, this will rise to around 
around about 4,500 hours. McDonald says that the aircraft's Link 16 data link capability has been of great use over Iraq, uh, allowing the tanker to monitor combat assets and follow the flight. This uh, allows it to refuel flight uh, to re- refuel flighters fighters sorry closer to the combat zone. In one instance, an RAAF KC-30A supporting U.S. Marine Corps McDonnell Douglas AV-8B Harriers actually spotted a firefight uh, on the ground and was able to vector in com- in combat aircraft. All these refueling missions have been conducted using the hose and drogue. Uh, method. Aside from the type's combat debut in 2014, it also saw a strong push to bring the aircraft's boom refueling system online. To this end, one KC-30A was dispatched to Airbus Defence and Space Facilities in Seville, Spain, uh, bringing the number of RAAF uh, KC-30s in the country to two. The aircraft performed 160 flights and made 300 boom contacts. McDonald said that uh, this went exceptionally well. Both aircraft will return to Australia this year and by the mid-2015s the boom should be fully operational. By 2023 only 36 RAAF aircraft will use the hose and drogue refuelling. It's 24 Boeing F slash A-18Fs Super Hornets and the 12 EA-18G Growlers. The remaining 100 aircraft in its fleet, including the Lockheed Martin F-35, will require boom refuelling. This is the reverse of the status quo as 95 RAAF aircraft use hose and drone drogue to air for air-to-air refuelling and 17 use the boom. Moreover, the boom is essential for refueling aircraft from allied forces, namely Singapore's F-15s and they're also the F-16s and USAF assets. McDonald says that the RAAF will speak to Singapore later this year about clearing the KC-30A to refuel its assets. Wow. That's quite, I was just look, looking up on mm. the uh, on this aircraft, the uh, you know, the uh, the A330. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously we've talked about this aircraft quite a few times before. It's mm. um, re- you know, it was originally as a passenger aircraft, but yeah. they've obviously made conversions, or they've uh, made this aircraft yeah. um, uh, for the tanker transport roles for mm. the military services. Uh, it's in operation with Australia, yeah. as you said, mm. with the Royal Australian Air Force and also the French Air Force. Right. Uh, they've got 12 of these on order. Mm. Uh, the Saudi Arabian Air Force, they've got six of these on orders. Uh, wow. Six of these on order, three have been delivered. Yeah. Uh, Singapore, uh, Republic of Singapore Air Force, have got six of these on order. Mm. Uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, yeah. uh, they've got three on order, yeah. um, but they should be all delivered hopefully soon. Mm. Uh, for their air refueling squadron. Mm. And our uh, good old RAF here in yeah. the UK, uh, they've got nine in service yeah. uh, with a total of 14 on order. Yeah. Um, therefore, the 10 squadron and 101 squadron. Well, I think a lot of them have been have been watching them, the, the, you know, the Australian Air Force's sort of um, research and, and, and testing with this particular um, design, isn't it? Because it is quite a major alter, you know, it's quite a major redesign of of how they do refueling, isn't it? So mm. I think people have been watching it with uh, great interest. And, it's popular uh, and another Airbus product. Look. Yeah, of yeah, course, it's good. Absolutely. It's good. Yes. So moving on to the next story, mm-hmm. uh, similar 
similar kind of story, this one, mm. uh, on Flight Global, uh, Global again. But uh, this one is uh, regarding a Russian um, tanker conversion. Um, Makes though, me nervous, that word. I know. Russia. So Russia <laughs> funds tanker conversion for the IL-96 freighters. So Russia's United Aircraft has approved a plan to produce two aerial refueling tankers based on the Aleutian IL-96 for the country's armed forces. Mm. The aircraft is being designated as the IL-96-400 Tango Zulu, mm. uh, signalling its derivation from the 400T freighter variant. Voronezh-based airframer Vaso built only a small number of the freighters, initially intending delivery to Aeroflot, but subsequently handing, uh, handling the aircraft uh, to cargo carrier Polet. The Russian Defence Ministry states that it has agreed to acquire two IL-96-400 Tango Zulus under a contract with the United Aircraft, it says, um, it says the aircraft are going to be able to transport over 65 tonnes of fuel across a range of 1,900 nautical miles, or 3,500 kilometres. The IL-96 will be equipped with the Zvedia UPAZ-1 aerial refuelling system, which has been previously proven on the IL-78 tanker flown by the Russian Air Force. United Aircraft says it has approved a state contract to build and deliver the two aircraft. And in a previous board meeting held earlier uh, this month, the company said it had reached an agreement with the Lisa Aleutian Finance covering the purchase of a single IL-96-400T formerly used by Paulette. Mm. So the um, Aleutian-96, uh, another passenger aircraft that's been mm. sort of converted to freight around tanker um, yeah. type of things, very similar in looks to the a- Airbus A340, right. uh, four engines, um, yeah. sort of a long-range uh, uh, passenger jet. Um, it also has the extra uh, jockey wheel set in right. the centre and yeah. the fuselage to mm-hmm. handle the extra weight as yeah. well um, for the cargo version there. Mm. But, um, you know, it just show, it shows that, uh, you know, the Russians are kind of, um, rather than purchasing an A330 um, MRT, yeah. they're, they're designing their own. Doing their well, own thing. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're under sort of quite extreme sanctions and stuff at the moment, yeah, aren't they? I it's, mean, it's I, very, very, poli- it very is political. very political. Very yes, political yes. Yes. The, the chances of them being allowed to, well, they probably also wouldn't want to use a, an American or, or European based um, no. um, airline of any way, shape, no. or form. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's it's worrying times. I think. I think yeah. they're, uh, the Cold War all over again, isn't it? Really. Mm. Anyway, uh, we're not here to discuss political no, matters. But we have something for the last story. Do we? Ah, it's one of your favourites. It's a top ten. It's a top ten. Excellent. We do oh, love a top ten. We do, we do love a top ten. Yes. So th- this is on uh, Flight Global, and I'll leave the expert in top tens to deal with it, I think. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> okay, so the uh, this top ten then for this week's show is um, the top ten airborne early wonders. Um, it's the top ten of eyes in the sky. So Ooh. we're talking about sort of the early warning system platform platform aircraft um, around the world. Yeah. So at number 10. So at number 10, it's the Boeing E767-4. 
Boeing's, Boeing's experience with delivering uh, the uh, E3 AWACS led to the company's development of a comparable system based on its newer 767 platform. Japan was the only nation to acquire the type and flies four of the E767 variants, along with the same number of KC-767 tankers. Um, this mm-hmm. one's a passenger aircraft that's been, again, converted for uh, this the early warning kind of use. Oh. So at number nine. So at number nine, it's the Elta Systems CAEW-6. Uh, Israel and Singapore today operate a combined six Gulfstream G550 business jets that have been extensively modified by Israeli Aerospace Industries, Elta. Um the subsidiary to the conformal AEW standard. Italy is also to receive two of the type. Rarer still is the IAI-developed Falcon system, which integrated into an AEW and C mission kit aboard the 707 platform. Single examples are flown by the Air Forces of Israel and Chile. So this one is based on a Gulfstream G550. It's kind of a business jet with um, <laughs> rather rather large... It, it, uh, it doesn't look like one. No, no, no it's definitely It's in a very dull grey. Yeah. <laughs> so at number... Number eight. Number eight then is the Westland Sea oh, King. Ah, the Sea King. Ah, the good oh. old Sea King. It doesn't look right when it's not in yellow. I'm sorry. No. no. <laughs> so nicknamed Baggers due to the inflatable housing contained in the mechanically scanned array for the Type Tails Seawater, uh, Searchwater 2000 radar, or Thales. Uh, the UK Royal Navy Sea King 7 Airborne Surveillance and Control System provides an organic AEW capability while deployed from surface ships, also flown extensively in an overland surveillance role while deployed uh, to Afghanistan until late last year. The venerable type is nearing the end of its service with the 10-strong fleet to retire between next year and 2018. What? No, you can't do that. You can't retire the seeking. It's illegal. <laughs> the Ministry of Defence has opted uh, to install a replacement system dubbed Crow's Nest yeah, on 10 Augusta Westland. I've already lost interest. AW101 <laughs> Merlin HM2s. I'm sorry. It's so synonymous, certainly in this area where we live, which is sort of East Anglia. I mean, the seeking you see almost every day, especially... I mean, I spend a lot of time sort of on the lower stuffed sort of coastline and there is a very there, there's very rarely a week go by where you don't see it out on on test operations well our prince like. flies uh, has flown one he has he yes has, yes although he's fly, he's going to be flying the air ambulance isn't he yes yes our yeah. prince uh prince, prince william william yes here in the uk is going to be uh flying our For, east Anglian air ambulance indeed which is very exciting it it's, is. it's almost worth having your leg chopped off oh, isn't it God, really? i don't think yeah. so. <laughs> <Go> that far <laughs> anyway at um Number six. What about number seven? Oh, are we are we done seven? No. Oh, sorry. Yes, it is number seven. Yeah. Yes. Uh, number seven. So at number seven, then it is the Shani. Oh, I'm sorry. What the Shani? Shani. 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 Spelled S H A A N X I. Whatever that is. Okay. So that's a very bizarre looking aircraft, isn't it? With the same installed fleet size as AEW and 7 rolled 737, China's early warning version of the Shenyi... Well, I can't yes, pronounce indeed. that. that, that has that a designation... Oh, this is easy. It has a designation of the KJ-200 ah. with the nation's armed forces. Beijing's Air Force is seven in use uh, in its Navy, uh, and or three in the Navy, and Pakistan's Air Force has also acquired three examples with a fourth on order. 
and designates the type as the ZDK03. This I'm, one I'm is- just trying to describe this picture here, and it, it looks like a sort of a sort of fairly standard sort of carrier type plane. Sort of pa- it's four, sort of four passengers, props, yeah, tra- it's, transport sort of. Uh, yeah, it's carrier. got sort of it's it's prop rather than jet engine, which is fine. And then it's got what I can only describe as if you if if as a child you ever remember watching the um the, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they they beamed Magic Mike or whatever his name was from one end of the the white studio to the other it very much resembles that camera it's basically a massive great pod that looks like a i don't know there must be an aerodynamic better aerodynamic (laughs) way of of transporting whatever the heck that is to me that looks like something you'd see in a gym at school one of those um (laughs) yeah those horses horse things yeah yeah. yeah, kind of stuck on top of the fuselage oh interesting that one never mind number six so at number six it's our favorite uh the boeing 737 uh, the 737 based AEWC early warning system is based uh, or sig- uh, system is easily distinguishable from the narrow bodied airliner due to its Northrop Grumman MESA active electronically scanned array or top hat. Mm. Australia has the largest fleet with six wedge tail aircraft. One of these has been flying missions uh, of up to 16 hours in duration during the nation's operation Orca. Uh, contribution to the US-led campaign against Islamic State militants in Iraq and Syria. South Korea has received all four of its surveillance rolled 737s, while the Turkish Air Force has taken delivery of all but one of its eventually four-strong fleet. Ascend also records Qatar as as being interested in acquiring three of these aircraft as well. Hmm. I was lucky Mm. to to see one of these at the air shows last year. Up close, mm. um, and, uh, and up close was as, lo- was as close as they'd let us get, right? Um, because yeah, they wouldn't yeah. let us go on board no, 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 no. for obvious reasons. But uh, it's, it's it's kind of bizarre because it's um, it's kind of a, it's a seven hundred series seven three seven, but with a rather large fin sort of uh, <laughs> fin stuck on yeah. top, which is obviously the um, you know the the radar array. Yeah, but uh, no, it's good. It was good to see one of these close up. Mm. I mean, that must. Play havoc with aerodynamics and stuff like that. It must uh, be a very different. Yeah, I think there, there is a, a loss of something there, but yeah. I, I, you know, it, it's it's not built for for fighter jet. Kind no, of no, it's not. No. Anyway, number five. Number five. It's the Saab Iri Twenty. What um, on earth is that? So the fifth place entry is for a Swedish developed mission system and radar, which has so far been adapted for use on board uh, a trio of airframe types. Stockholm first developed the Eri package for installation with the Saab 340 regional turboprop, which the Swedish Air Force flies as the Argus. It was also later adapted for the Embraer ERJ-145 and Saab 2000. A combined 20 AE early warning system aircraft in these models were flown by Sweden, um, Brazil, Greece, Mexico and Pakistan and Thailand and also the UAE. A similar-looking antenna array has also been developed independently by India and also mounted atop the ERJ-145. These, it, it, these are all not, looking very similar. It's not, a, it's not a pretty-looking thing, yeah. is it? I mean, it, it's, it's horror. It does look like something that Lewis Smith is about to win a gold on. Do you know well, this, I mean? is, this is a Saab 340 that <laughs> yeah. this is on. This is another one of these um, horses from the gym at school. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. 
Uh, very bizarre. Anyway, yeah, to uh, number four. Number four. It's a helicopter this time, the Kamov Ka-31-26. Described as a radar picket, the ship or land-based Ka-31 carries a deployable rotating array. Wow. Uh, mm. Beneath the fuselage, which allows its crew to scan an area around the Navy's surface fleet for airborne and maritime threats. The type is used only by the navies of China, India and Russia, with a SEN recording these as having a respective 9, 14 and 3 in service. Mm. This is quite bizarre. This is a helicopter with a rotating radar underneath Neath the, 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 uh, the actual yeah. fuselage itself. I mean... It's just, so it's like what you see at, at all these airports, but but basically yeah. on a, a mobile. I mean, the, yeah. the, the undercarriage must have to come down quite a fair way to give it ground mm. clearance when landing. Because yeah. that does uh, That stick. must fold up. It must fold up. There's no way I don't that... don't know. It must do. I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, you will. Really Absolutely. Anyway, number three. Number three, it's a huge one. It's the Illusion IL-76 or Beriev A-50. And uh, the uh, Mikas records uh, Russia's Air Force operating a fleet of 21 Illusion IL-76-based Beriev A-50 early warning system platforms. India also has an active infantry of three of the same type with two more on order. China's Air Force also used the IL-76 as the basis for its own system named the KJ-2000 and has five in its fleet. This is a huge aircraft to have as an early warning system. It's a huge platform. dish. The television reception from that dish I must know. be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere in the world. <laughs> it's also got a refueling probe at the front of this one as well. That's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So at number two. Number two, another Boeing product, this one. The uh, very, very popular, the E-3 AWACS. Uh, so synonymous with the role is Boeing's E3 uh, AWACS uh, early airborne warning control system. It's been widely used um, uh, to describe any aircraft performing such a mission with a distinctive above fuselage radome, which houses a Northrop APY-1 or 2 surveillance radar. The Sentry is in use with the Air, US Air Force, which has 31, as well as international operators, France, Saudi Arabia, and the UK, um. which have combined uh, 15. The multinational NATO AWACS force is also equipped with 17 examples. This is based on the uh, Boeing 707 Mac, mm-hmm. quite an old passenger aircraft, yeah. many years old. Yeah. Um, but uh, these fly over here. You can't miss them because you've got the um, black uh, radar dome with a white stripe going so you can see these rotating as they fly over. Mm. Really, really fantastic. Another proof that these aircraft were built to, well, last. Yeah, indeed. For definite. And finally, at number one. So at number one, then, it's the Northrop Grumman E2 Hawkeye. Uh, there's 96 of these in service. The mm. most numerous uh, air early warning system in uh, use in type today, the E-2 Hawkeye is flown by the air arms of Egypt, Japan and Taiwan and by the French and new uh, US navies as a carrier-based asset. Um, these nations having a combined 96 of the twin-engine type in active duty, while the U.S. Navy has at least another 36 D-type examples uh, to be delivered. The new version has an expanded capability to serve as an airborne battle management platform. Now, these uh, particular ones are quite small, but they're are like designed oh, yeah, like to fly yeah. off uh, off aircraft carriers, carriers and stuff, yeah. which is always handy. I mean, it's a similar sort of size dish to the one that we saw in the Boeing, the AWACS one, isn't it? It's not actually that that different. It, on a very small... On a much, uh, much smaller, much smaller probably, aircraft, presumably yeah. more agile aircraft. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the only major downside is it wouldn't have the range, would it? But then I suppose if you've got access to a to a carrier and refueling, yeah, its range is, is less of an issue, isn't it? But it's still a massive dish, though, to carry mm. on top. It it, it, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be interesting to put that in a, in a wind tunnel God, yeah, and see, what um, the, and see what, yeah. where, how, they, how the air flows over that particular I mean, it aircraft. must fly so differently. I mean, mm. the, I mean, mm. well, I mean, you know, pilots are insanely skilled anyway. But If you're a pilot listening to the show and you fly an, uh, an early warning system aircraft yes, with please. one of these radar yes. domes, yes, I have I have many questions. <laughs> please. <laughs> so that is where we're going to bring uh, the military segment to a close. Um, so as we said earlier, we have got a segment from Pilot Pitt. Indeed, yes. I'm looking forward to listening uh, to that. continuing on uh, from last time's segment. He's going to be chatting to you about, uh, well, he's going to play engine failures and speeds mm. uh, and oh, and loads of other stuff as well. Yeah. Come on, let's about. have a listen. Come right, on, so on, we're going to play Pilot Pip section right now. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi there, everyone. In the last segment, we looked at engine failures, and I briefly touched on some of the speeds or velocities that are of interest to us when we're looking at takeoff and, and engine failures. V1, V-rotate, V2, that sort of thing. So I thought in this segment, I'll take just a few minutes just to expand on that a little bit more and explain what some of these V-speeds mean and why they're important. Now, velocity or speed is at the very heart of an aircraft's ability to fly, its ability to generate lift, which is why an aircraft flies. So it'll come as no surprise to the mathematicians and aerodynamicists out there to know that velocity is at the very heart of the lift equation. Now I'm sure Carlos with his PPL training will be able to explain this in some depth. But the equation for lift is the lift coefficient times air density times velocity squared times wing surface area. Go ahead, Carlos, and explain that better than I can. But you can see velocity there is a key part of the uh, equation for lift. But basically it's saying if you increase velocity on one side of the equation, the lift generated goes up, at least up to a point. But the bottom line is it's vitally important that we know and understand how speed has an effect on the control of the aircraft. And we need to know, certainly during the takeoff, and the initial stages of flight, what speed defines the characteristics of the aircraft and how it's going to behave. So let's just take a, a few minutes to have a look at some of these speeds and why they're important. Now as we're going down the runway, the first speed of importance that we're going to get to is something called VMCG, or velocity of minimum control on the ground, i.e. the minimum speed that we need to reach that we're going to be able to control the aircraft on the ground if we have an engine failure. And this is because in such a case where we have an engine failure and the takeoff is continued, only the rudder is going to be able to counteract the yawing moment that's generated by the asymmetric thrust. So as I explained last time, the live engine will want to yaw the aircraft one way or the other. And we're only going to have the, the rudder to use to counteract that yaw and keep the aircraft on the runway. So that's the first speed we need to know, the minimum control speed on the ground. And if an engine failure happens before this speed, before VMCG, then we need to stop the takeoff. We need to abort the takeoff roll because we're not going to have sufficient velocity for the rudder to maintain control of the aircraft. The next speed we're going to get to is V1, or the takeoff decision speed. Now, we've spoken about this a few times before, and we could go into quite some depth here. 
but I'll keep it fairly basic. V1 is the maximum speed at which a rejected takeoff can be initiated. So in other words, this is a go or no go speed. And not just for engine failures, we need to know this speed so we can stop safely on the runway if in the event of any sort of emergency or, or malfunction. But it is vitally V1, the minimum speed at which we can continue a takeoff having suffered an engine failure. So if the engine failure is detected after V1, the takeoff must be continued. And then this implies that the aircraft must be controllable on the ground. So therefore V1 must always be greater than VMCG, minimum control speed on the ground. So the next speed we'll get to is something called VMU, or Velocity Minimum Unstick. Basically, this is the minimum speed at which we're going to be able to get the wheels of the aircraft off the ground. So VMU is achieved by pitching the aircraft up to the maximum allowable pitch angle during the takeoff roll. And then the speed at which the aircraft first lifts off is defined as VMU. In other words, liftoff isn't possible before this minimum VMU speed. So the next speed is VR, V-rotation, and actually that's, it sounds like that should be the same as VMU, but it's slightly different. The VR rotation speed ensures that in the case of an engine failure, liftoff is possible, and that the next speed, V2, is reached at a height of 35 feet at the latest, something called our screen height. So the rotation of the aircraft off the runway begins at this VR speed, which makes liftoff possible at the end of the rotation manoeuvre. So VR must be such that the liftoff speed is actually greater than the minimum unstick speed, VMU. So the next speed that we're going to pass as we accelerate, and this was what came into play in the Trans-Asia crash, and what we talked about very briefly in the last segment, is something called VMCA, or Velocity of Minimum Control in the Air. So as already said, the rudder is used to compensate for the yawing moment caused by the thrust asymmetry when we've had an engine failure. And there's a minimum speed at which full rudder will be necessary in order to fly a constant heading with the wings level. Now to reduce this speed slightly we can actually bank the aircraft into the live engine so if the right engine has failed we can bank the aircraft up to five degrees to the left into the live engine and this will help make that minimum control speed slightly lower. And below this speed as we saw in the Trans-Asia crash the aircraft isn't controllable you don't have sufficient rudder authority to stop the aircraft rolling uh, all the way over. So VMCA is very important. We need to, in the case of an engine failure, or any flight of course, maintain a speed above VMCA. Which brings us on to the final speed, which is V2, or the takeoff safety speed. And V2 is the minimum speed that needs to be maintained up to the acceleration altitude in the event of an engine failure after V1. So flight at V2 ensures that a minimum required climb gradient can always be achieved and that the aircraft is controllable at all stages. So therefore V2 speed is always greater than VMCA and ensures adequate control of the aircraft. And interesting though that V2 is not the best rate of climb, it's a minimum safety speed that gives us an adequate climb performance. Flying a speed just a little bit faster than V2, perhaps V2 plus 5 or V2 plus 10 knots, will actually give us a slightly better climb gradient. So what we do if an engine is lost, if we have an engine failure before V2, then we'll let the aircraft accelerate and we'll fly the initial climb at V2. But if the aircraft loses an engine at a slightly later stage or a slightly higher speed, then we'll fly it at V2 plus 10 knots to get the best climb rate or we'll maintain the speed that we had at the point the engine failed. Now when we're in the sim we always practice for engine failures at the most critical point at V1. But in real life, 
you have to be very unlucky to have an engine fail at just that point. More than likely, if it was going to fail on the takeoff roll, it would fail at a very low speed or at some point after the, the departure. So you may well have a higher speed already. So you just, when you have the engine failure after takeoff, you just maintain the speed you already have if it's above V2. Anyway, I hope that wasn't too dry. That's just a very quick explanation of some of the some of the speeds that we're interested in. And there are many, many more. And some of them we have a, a, an instant display of on the cockpit. So, for instance, on our primary flight display, we have certain speeds highlighted to us as we pass them. So V1 is highlighted, V2, VR are highlighted, and a few other ones. But not all the speeds. There are so many speeds of, that have some relevance in uh, in aircraft operations that you can't display them all but the important ones v1 v2 v rotate and a few others they're all displayed there for us so we can see exactly when we're, we're approaching them and when we pass them in fact some aircraft will have automatic call hours that will call you when you pass v1 and that's not a bad idea in fact anyway that's it from me for this segment speak to you all again in the next one if you're interested in this i think my next episode of plane safety podcast we're going to look at some of this in a bit more detail so that's be plane safety podcast which you can find on itunes episode 10 should be out within the next few days so you can check me out there so take care and fly safe but it's back to matt and carlos over to you guys Thanks for that, Pip. As always, a master of all things aviation. Indeed. Yeah, don't yeah. forget to check out uh, Pip over at the Plane Safety Podcast. He's got a new episode out on iTunes. Go and uh, search for Pip and uh, get yes. his new episode, which I will be doing for this week for my listeners. Yes, and I'm, Lis- just having listen- to, I'm just having to sit on Carlos to stop him from talking about... Um, He's as a pip alluded to uh, to <laughs> advising yeah, you. Pip, yeah, never, yeah. never mentioned. No, no, please, me, no, yeah, no, because <laughs> no, it's just this is all we can do to keep me under control as it is. Anyway, yes, so, uh, on to some air news. Yes, air show news. So mm. the air show season is uh, growing ever closer, and Indeed. Uh, so we've got um, the show season starting April, yeah. and uh, so we've got three events to kick off this year. Um, on the 3rd and 5th of April, mm-hmm. it's the Festival of Power at yeah. Santapod Raceway in Northamptonshire. Yeah. Um, there's going to be cars, jet cars, and uh, other flying displays as mm. well for that one. We've got the Wings and Wheels um, yeah. at Halfpenny Green in Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a large flying of classic aircraft there alongside military vehicles and vintage cars as well. Mm-hmm. And then on the 19th... 19th, it's the old Buckingham Wings and Wheels. Ooh, that's popular in, one. Indeed, that's in Norfolk. That's that's where the parachute people used to be, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, that airfield there. And uh, they're inviting owners of classic cars and aircraft to display their machines at their ever-popular spring celebration of internal combustion. Yes, and there's loads more if you look on uh, airshows.org.uk. There's loads. There's a link on our website as well to this site as well. Mm. Um, You can get all the information on the uh, sat-nav postcodes Mm. and uh, and participating aircraft. Um, Me and Matt are sort of currently trying to work out what other airshows we're going to visit this year. Ria is in our diary. Um, We've already uh, sorted our accommodation and tickets. Tickets are booked for Ria. Um, and uh, Riyadh is on the 17th to the 19th of July. Mm. Um, so far, we're looking at uh, the lineup of aircraft for the show this year. Um, we've uh, we've got the Hellenic Air Force with the Lockheed Martin F-16 fighting Falcons, yeah. the Zeus demo team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Qatar Emery Air Force uh, with the Lockheed Martin C-130J mm-hmm. Hercules. 
the Swiss Air Force with the PC-7 Pilatus uh, team mm-hmm. uh, with the Airbus helicopters, the AS-332 Super Pumas and the AS-532 Cougars. They're going to be there. Uh, we've also got uh, from the classic jets and Cold War era, um, the Avro Vulcan um, B2. Bring the earplugs uh, for that is, one. <laughs> uh, that's going to be arriving on the Friday for that and ha- is going to have the full flying display on a Saturday and Sunday. So we'll, we'll get mm. both of those, Matt. Wow. Yeah. Um, and also on the civilian side, yeah. uh, which is going to be great this year, especially for me, mm. um, the Air- British Airways are sending a Airbus A318 to right. uh, to react. Okay. Now, well, what sort of what sort of plane is that? What's so that's kind of about? that's kind of a baby baby one. A little one, it's smaller right. than the A320. Ah. Yeah, yeah. They use it for um, their long haul fleet from London City Airport to to New York. Ah, cool. Because right. it's got the oh, range. Quite a range, then, yeah. So new addition aircraft uh, to the flying display. I think. Um, uh, there's no more new additions to the airplane. No. We're just checking on here. Mm. No new additions as yet to uh, to the participation aircraft. No, no. Um, what's, it's still quite early days. Cause it's not it's early July, days, is it? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there'll be you know additions, numerous additions to the show. We're going to keep you up to date with those. Um, what are going to be at React? Obviously, we're going to be there. Yep. So uh, don't forget to keep an eye out for us yeah. when we're there. But we'll we'll give you an, another nudge nearer yep, the time because that's. Yeah, but we're going to uh, look at the calendars and see if there's any other ones, mm. any other yeah. shows. I'm hoping can, to try uh, and get to Duxford and stuff. Yes, anyway. yeah, yeah, Duxford will definitely be on the list for this year again mm. for the Flying Legends mm. uh, or definitely. the uh, the yeah. V Day or the D Day one that, uh, that mm. uh, they're, they're doing. So that's about all we have it time is, yeah. for. Absolutely. Yes, episode yeah. fifty-one in the bag. In the bag, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've done we've done quite quite well today. I think nearly yeah. dinner time. Yes, yes, yeah. What do you so mean dinner time. I'm, I'm going to eat more cake. Come oh, on, okay. Yeah. Hurry up. Matt's, Matt's <laughs> going to fill his boots now and take away loads of cake and sausage rolls. Indeed. So thanks again for listening uh, yes. to the show this week. Don't forget you can find us on iTunes. Uh, just search Plain Talking UK. Yep. And yeah, you can also find us on Facebook, Plain yep. Talking UK podcast. Find us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter. Yep. And, and what other ways can people find us, Matt? Well, the, the most obvious way is obviously to contact us directly via our website. That Which is? www.plaintalkingutk.com. Uh, plain spelt P-L-A-N-E. Yes, send us, uh, send us your emails. And thanks again to uh, all the listeners mm. uh, who sent us yeah. feedback on our last episode. And yeah. that because uh, does show that you, yeah. you do enjoy the show. We are, we, are, we are tweaking the website as we speak. Yes, so yes. That, 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 an all-new look hopefully in time for the air show season is what we have up our sleeves yes my chief it guy uh, who's sitting across the table from me now is going to be um having a little revamp i think of the uh, oh, yes. of the website yes. uh, quick quick hello to uh, yep. somebody who's just commented or, or liked i should say the post for um, this episode mm. um, to say we're recording paul tricker Hello, Paul. Uh-huh. Give you a little mention there. Uh, thanks for uh, liking the status update that we put on earlier before we started recording. And, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Indeed. Don't forget to join us next week then for episode number 52 yep. of the show. We are hopefully going to have someone in the studio, a guest again. Right. So, crossed, uh, fingers crossed. We've got, uh, we have got lots of stuff in the pipeline for guests mm. in this uh, this year. So, yeah. it should be good. Cracking Indeed. year. Indeed. 
So that's it then. Take care, everyone, and look forward to uh, bringing you a show next week. So yep. for me, Carlos, it's a very lovely sunny blue sky and a happy goodbye from me and mm. from you, Matt. And I'm now going to go and stuff my face with loads more lemon drizzle cake. It's the only way. <laughs> okay, then. So <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.